Um, well, when I was young, I, I had lots of nightmares, very bad nightmares, uh, about very dark stuff. And that attracted me to literature about that. So I would read, uh, you know, Dante's Divine Comedy and uh, other stuff like that. And that is definitely present in the game, for sure. Even though I've matured past that point a long time ago, um, it that's why it's a dark world, you know? Welcome, my name is Ulle, and today we're gonna follow the story of Gabriel Santos, who's a game developer living in California. He has been working on the game Stone Story RPG for four years. So Stone Story RPG, it's it's set in this dark world. It's very ominous, and in the beginning, feels uh, has a sense of solitude and, and but also peacefulness to some extent. It's very chill, and the story is that you're collecting these nine magic soul stones in order to restore light to the world. All the graphics in the game are made with ASCII. That is, all characters, environments, monsters, and weapons consist of nothing else than the characters you find on a keyboard. Symbols and letters that combined create an entire picture. A simple smiley in a text message consists of a colon and a parenthesis. One of Gabriel's creations might consist of hundreds of characters. ASCII art really came out uh, more, became developed in the 90s, early 90s, uh, because it was difficult to to send images over the internet back then. Um, people with limited bandwidth would send, got creative and would send uh, images composed just of text characters, so just regular symbols on your keyboard. And uh, people would you know draw little uh, doodles or do very complex things and uh, send it to each other back then. You could make. Uh, to fill the screen. I'm not sure what's the maximum size that people used back then, but it could get as big as 100 characters wide and uh, 30 high would be the maximum to fit the screen. Uh, I think one of the one of the turning points for the project was when I, I, I was interested in the, in, the, in the minimalism of it all. And I decided uh, how, how small could I make a person, right? That is still recognizable as a person. And that uh, ultimately became the protagonist of the, of the game. I wanted to see um, how do I make him walk? How do I make him throw things? And this was before I even had the idea for the game. I was doing small uh, stick stick figure, if you will, animations of the of the main character. The letter O has a overloaded symbology in the game. It it symbolizes the stone, and I use that for the head of the character. And then it's just a few slashes. Uh, for the arms and the legs, so for forward slashes and back slashes, and then one vertical one for the body. So six symbols total 
very small. How do you get the idea to work on an art form that is almost extinct? I stumbled upon uh, some really high quality ASCII art uh, from back in the day, especially from this artist called Joanne Stark, and I really loved her style. And I started uh, studying her style and sort of emulating it. And um, after one year of sort of doing that as a hobby, um, I started to develop my own style. And well, there were some aspects of of ASCII art that I felt could be really improved, could be developed, and that it was an art form that was abandoned. Because, you know, once you start getting pretty graphics and you go into 3D games and stuff like that, people get start getting excited about photorealism. And um, it was it's only really with the indie renaissance that we're having now that it's possible to go back and consider a serious project you know, using a style that's so antiquated. And I wanted to show uh, that it's an art form that still has room to be developed. Um, you'll find it in other games like uh, Dwarf Fortress, for example, is a, is a famous ASCII art game. But in that game, it's used more for delivering data. You get the geography and, you know, the, all the gameplay information and stuff. Whereas... Um, I'm interested more in the aesthetic side of, of the content. I think it's got a lot of potential there, especially with animation and uh, modern techniques, uh, particle systems, stuff like that, that you can, uh, that really didn't exist before. So that's some innovations that I'm bringing. To animate in ASCII, you don't need any fancy video editing tool or animation tool. A simple text editor is enough. It is actually an advantage that it's a simple text editor, one of the kind where you can be assured that every letter will occupy the same amount of space, what is called a monospaced font. In ASCII art, one character is the equivalent of one pixel. Oh, what it looks like as a description is um, you see the animation frames uh, vertically on the text file, right? So frame by frame below each other. It's convenient in some respects to use simple text, uh, plain text. I, I can use find and replace functionality for quickly uh, quickly swapping a feature of, of the character I'm animating. Uh, back in the beginning when I was starting, I would just scroll the, the scroll wheel very fast and it would, uh, it would flip the frames on the screen fast enough. That you could see that if, if you get the speed of the scroll wheel, scroll wheel correct, you could see the animation. I think the constraint really um, is good for for the project. Um, I, I would want to create a new tool for for the future, not for this project. I think it's a bit too late, but I want to make a tool to make the especially the coloring process that's the main pain point right now and i decided to make the game black and white for that reason it's it it's got some color in it but it's mostly black and white and that's a constraint of the tools that i use uh, because it, you know you can't color a plain text file right um 
so I've built, you know, but I've built the lore of the game and everything around that as well. It's a dark world. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's dull, but the things that are colored in it denote more importance, you know, a, a specific, uh, point of interest or something magical or something that has color in it. Right. I've had a couple of dreams in, in ASCII. Uh, that was weird, where everything is text. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember what happened, but then I drew an animation of some sheep jumping over a fence. In ASCII, of course. I was working full-time on Stone Story for about nine months and originally the idea was to make a game that was that I could have finished maybe in a year or a year and a half tops. Uh, I don't usually like very long projects but when I started showing the game to people the first prototype I had uh, people were really what really surprised people was the visual style that was so novel and people really love the animations. And that's that's one of the truths about marketing. You don't really know what people are gonna want from the product until you start showing it to a bunch of people. So when that happened, I realized that this couldn't be a, a one-year project anymore and that it was gonna take quite much longer if I, if I were to complete it. So I decided to um, find another project uh, to pay the bills while I uh, part-time worked on Stone Story. And it's sort of been that way since. Gabriel enjoys his day job, where he can exchange ideas with his colleagues. But working alone has its perks. Well, you, you, you have creative control, which is important, I think. A lot of times things get decided by committee, and that's not good. Uh, sometimes it's good if you trust and you have experience working with the people uh, you're working with. But even then, sometimes um, you'll just do something because it's safe. And or if you have a that's also true if you have a budget, right? If you have a if it's an expensive project or it has a deadline, you're going to fall back to things that are safe, right? Because you need to you need to finish the project as, as fast as possible, essentially. But if you're by yourself and you're you're able to take your time uh, to reflect on the ideas, then you can really do something different, right? You're given the space to try something different. That is that is also reflective of your personality. It's it's um, it's very personal. Gabriel says that it is unlikely that a big studio would make a game that is as personal as Stone Story is. To bet all the money on a project with a lot of uncertainty is way too risky for a big company with many mouths to feed. I think that's also true about bigger games like Minecraft, for example. You could never pitch that idea to a big studio. Like it would never fly. And so many games are like that. You need a small team or just one person to really champion the idea when it's something different. 
I've got three game design ideas uh, ready to go right now. I just don't have time to make them. I would love to make them. And that's one of my motivations for finishing Stone Story. It's like I've got these three awesome games that I want to make and I just can't. I think I'm just going to keep going forever. Yeah, until I die someday. <laughs> Although, you know, the saddest part will be that last game that doesn't get completed. That's gonna suck. You have listened to the podcast There is a Glitch in Everything, which is an adaptation of the Swedish podcast Extra Liv. We are currently working on unique content for this podcast. So please subscribe, and in the future you will get to hear more hidden stories from the world of games. My name is Ole Landin, see you next time.